Hello and welcome to the Ramen Profitable Podcast. My name is Atish Mazumdar and I'm here with my co-pilot, the great and powerful Chris Scott. And this is the podcast about testing out your ideas, taking your first steps, and really overcoming those obstacles on the way to entrepreneurship. Enjoy. Have I told you my Pepsi Coke conspiracy theory? Please don't. I'm done with conspiracy theories. (laughs) For a while, I'm just done with conspiracy theories. But this one's innocuous as opposed to the other ones, which are, uh, I guess, have a little bit more sinister reaches. All right, let's hear it. Okay. So here's my, here's my thought. I think that Pepsi is actually owned by Coke. And I think that basically when you do that, it's, it's only done to give people the... Uh, s- What's what's the word? Simulation is the wrong word. The uh, like the idea, the impression of choice. Uh huh. But you, but they don't really have choice. You have a Coke that has a secret formula, right? That's what everyone says. It's like, oh, it's the Coke formula. Nobody knows how to make it. But obviously, people know how to make cola. But if people aren't a fan of Coke, then you can still capture the remaining market share by just owning the alternative. And nobody drinks RC cola, so. You know, yeah, it tastes irrelevant. like dirt. It tastes like sand to me. RC? Yeah. has like a yeah. gritty dirt feel to it for some reason. Yeah, I think I've only had one once, and I think it was at Golf and Stuff, and uh, I think it was gritty and dirty and sandy, but that could have been for a number of other reasons. A number of reasons, right, right. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. I don't know. I, I plan on exposing uh, Pepsi as a subsidiary of Coke. I saw a, a meme kind of similar to this theory. It was about capitalism, how capitalism uh, breeds creativity. Mm-hmm. And it was a picture of like all these knockoff brands of like Dr. Thunder mm-hmm. or Just Doctor or Dr. Peps or Pep uh-huh. Doctor. And it was just like 12, it was literally 12 different cans, all with like a Dr. Pepper theme to it. Wow. And I just thought that was really funny. Yeah, that is really funny. That's, um, I mean, it's like, do you think you can make a, like turn enough profit if you just make like a knockoff, you know, like not exactly a knockoff, but basically the same product, but just, s- and maybe charge less for it. Or maybe like, do you think that's a viable strategy? I don't see how it could not be. I mean, people just are not uh, thorough researchers. I find nowadays, mm, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, even in like the movie realm, this is a company called asylum films and they make really bad movies when big movies come out. So like when Lord of the Rings came out, they made like a Hobbit movie. Really? Or, yeah. And it was like a weird name. Or when Transformers came out, they made a movie called Transmorphers. And uh, they have all sorts of movies like that. Like when Battleship came out, they made Warship. Wait, so they legitimately make the same movie? Like, No, they make but- a terrible movie with the same title, basically. So like uh, Transmorphers is, you know, robots fighting each other, but it's mostly about a group of people in an airship. So there's like seriously one location and then one scene of robots fighting and not well, not well. It's done pretty poorly. (laughs) Huh? Well, so, I mean, I guess there is something to be said about getting like a piece of the pie. Like that brings us back to our, our favorite book. Blue Ocean strategy. I guess there is something to be said about getting a piece of the already existing pie. I just like never thought of that as like a really viable strategy for turning over profits. Like, uh, 
I don't, I especially don't see how a film company could do it because you would need enough people and enough distribution of that film to make back what you spent on it. Obviously what you do is you make it a piece of shit movie. So it wasn't worth, or it wasn't that expensive to make. Yeah. What they were doing is they were doing hundred thousand dollar features with knockoff titles that they would pre-sell to overseas markets or to like the sci-fi channel. And they would immediately oh. get their profits back and then some because, you know, they would pr- pretty much double what they spent on it. So they spent $100,000 on it. They usually got 200 back. k back. So okay. they still made 100 in profit. Well, so this actually then, um, th- not, not, it, this isn't the specific same thing, but I actually, this made me realize that I wanted your take on something. Um, I think maybe when quarantine started or when lockdown started or when you know whatever we're calling it these days because it was also we gotta slow the spread or flatten the curve or do whatever whatever it is we were doing whatever it is we are doing now i'm not sure um regardless whenever that all started so sometime in like late february and march i watched a film a movie called bohemian rhapsody have you seen this movie i have seen this movie the queen movie um, it won several Oscars. It won several Oscars, and I'm gonna—I'm not trying to have like my hot take or anything. I don't think this is one of those. I didn't get it. Okay. I didn't get why it was thought of as a good movie, why it was thought of as an Oscar-winning movie, any of that kind of stuff. And the main reason for that was—is it's—it's one of those movies that basically can also be made into a video game because it's. Oh, you have to, you know, like, oh, you got to collect these three stars before you can do whatever. Like, that's a that's a video game thing, right? Like, you have to do this task to get to this next place. And that's what that movie was to me, was it was just, we're going to fulfill this in order to get to the next point in the story. And we usually segue by song. So it's like, I guess, kind of a musical or something like that. But... It's literally just they're fulfilling. They don't do anything about the characters or anything like that. The movie was just we're getting from point A to point B. and That's it. Like it just seemed very like on a singular track. There was nothing. um, And specifically the reason why I think that this was done was because the way that you sell movies now is that you don't just need to attract an uh, American audience, but you also basically are attracting a Chinese audience. Like that's right. And they had problems with mentions of homosexuality and drug use, which are both prominent things in the story of Queen and especially of Freddie Mercury. And neither of those things were really overtly mentioned in the movie. It was just like on the surface, right? He's having this crazy party with a bunch of dudes and they seem like they're, you know, something's going on, but they never actually mention it. And it's just not... I don't know. It's I, I don't want to be one of these guys who'd be really popular in college and stuff like that and talk about authentic storytelling. But it just seemed really like flat and boring and like a like a puff piece kind of like like the like the video version of a puff piece. Oh, interesting. What was your do you disagree? No, I don't uh, think it was a good movie. Um, I know <laughs> they were having issues with the director while the movie was being produced uh oh is that it, was, the, it was originally a, offered to sasha baron cohen right i think so no he i think he wanted to play queen he wanted to play mm, freddie mercury mm, okay uh but the director was brian singer who is another one of these me too type people but for the oh, gay community really? yeah he was always preying on the young kids he was a kevin spacey type yeah so uh what 
Yeah, there's a lot of allegations against. Uh, like during this time, he was dealing with all that, so he wasn't really giving it at all his all in the movie. So mm. everyone in the cast was frustrated, and then they would br- br- they brought in a new director to finish it up. So it's kind of like uh, it was like a hodgepodge of two people's trying to finish a movie. Oh, okay. Um, but I don't think it was edited well, and uh, I have issues with people that win Oscars for mimicking someone else because they're not really creating a character themselves they're kind of just looking at a bunch of reference videos and oh so you're it's almost like more of it's it's very talented mimicry maybe like right. that you you kind of adopt the mannerisms and stuff like that of this person but it's not exactly creating a persona entirely separate of that right so that was another issue i had with it and then i feel like there's a new thing happening with uh, some of these biopics where the movie isn't that good, but the person they are telling a story about is what is uh, is so charismatic that it bleeds into this new project. Yep. So like like uh, Rami Malek's performance was pretty good, but I feel like if Freddie Mercury wasn't as charismatic and cool as he was, we wouldn't care about Bohemian Rhapsody at all. The movie, right? That's and that's kind of my impression also is that. You know, and I, I like that guy. I've seen a couple episodes of Mr. Robot. It's not exactly the show for me, but I uh, I gave it a try. I, I didn't just do my normal thing where I just say, like, I don't like the that without watching it, <laughs> which is or, my normal thing. Or the cinema thing. sins of that show? The cinema sins of... Oh. That's, that's my other... Uh, win or learn for the week. I've got a, another item directly related to what just happened. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not one of those things. And he looks like Charles. Doesn't he look like Charles? He does. He does look like Charles. Yeah. Um, where, wherever you are, Charles, <laughs> He's in we miss you. Come home. North Carolina. Oh. Yeah. Um, odd. Well, <laughs> anyways, yeah. I, th- and that was kind of the same thing that I had with... Uh, I didn't watch... Um, the uh who's that british guy you know piano elton john yes thank you (laughs) um we're playing password on this week's episode um (laughs) no yeah that was kind of the same problem like i just saw the same thing that i i just assumed it was the same case for the elton Uh john movie i just didn't have the interest in watching it because it's like yeah it, it just seems like all right we're just gonna kind of real surface level cover this person's life and music and stuff like that. And just because we already know who the guy is and we already know the music, people just buy it for that reason. Like I, right, didn't, right. I didn't see I, the value in seeing it. I saw it. It's called rocket man. Mm. And it's, it's way different than Bohemian Rhapsody. I mean, the oh, storylines are kind of the same, but the movie is more of a musical where he's kind of uh, in, in moments of his life, instead of uh, like speaking something out or having like a dramatic moment, they break out into song and it's a song that he's done. So it kind of matches the tone of the story. Oh, okay. And so it's not so much a rock and roll show where you have to go watch people, you know, put on a show or watch mm-hmm. them on TV or watch them on their, you know, sitting at their kitchen table, having a conversation. And then he breaks out into a song that is relevant mm. to the situation. Okay. Okay. Well, so that's, that's a little different. It's like, it's almost like a Bollywood movie where it's like, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or a musical, I guess, uh, Bollywood would be the Indian version of a musical where it's like the, the song or what is what we're pushing into is driving the story forward as opposed to just being a a completely separate item. Right. And they actually have the characters sing in rocket man. Whereas I think in Bohemian Rhapsody, they just lip synced lip sync. Oh really? Yeah. So it was. It was. It's an interesting movie. It's. it's I think it's more interesting than Bohemian Rhapsody. 
Hmm. Okay. And they and they do dive into the homosexuality way more than. Yeah, and I'm not I'm not saying that that has to be the entire movie or something, but it just was very odd in Bohemian Rhapsody that it was none of the movie. Right. You know, like right. that's kind of weird, right? Like it, it just seems like you're just you're um like smoothing over it or something. Right. Anyways, um yeah, don't don't know why we started off with, you know, there's a there's a start to ramen profitable podcast with uh, you know, my review of Bohemian Rhapsody, a movie that I watched many, many months ago and don't even really remember anymore. <laughs> um, but uh but before we uh kick off in kind of what I was thinking around this this week because I've got an interesting anecdote to you that that goes right into my winner learn and uh right into Kind of, I, I wanted your expertise or your expert opinion, or maybe not your expert opinion, but you uh, have lived this a little bit more than I do. So, but before we get into that, you know, do you have any uh, big wins or learns for the week? Eddie Mummy has been uh, going along. Yeah, it's has- out in the world. Um, I, I've just, I've just learned a lot of technical things, you know, placing ads and creating content and all that fun stuff, and uh, it's going well. It's going better than than most so i really don't know that's what to that's say. good man i mean it's uh i was reading somewhere that what's funny about these periods of time so uh i i don't know what they're calling right now like right now is like coronavirus times or something like that probably something a lot less stupid than what i'm calling it but what's interesting is that uh we expect during these economic contractions that that small businesses and uh, entrepreneurship would actually be slowing down or stalling, but it, it actually does the opposite. And the same mm-hmm. thing was true in uh, what they call the Great Recession, not not Great Depression. The Great Recession was that like 2008 to 2013 period of time. Right, right. Where they actually saw the amount of like entrepreneurship and small businesses rapidly expand. Uh, so... I'm wondering if that's happening on kind of a scale now. I think it is just because a lot of people maybe were out of work or maybe didn't see a sustainable future in what they were currently doing. So I think a lot of people are kind of transitioning to entrepreneurship. But uh, I don't know. Do you think that that's the case currently? I think so. I think people are realizing that instead of getting a second or a third job, it it might be more satisfying to work for yourself and do something that you believe in and something you can put just as much time or maybe even less and make just as much money to, you know, supplement your steady job. Yeah. I, I don't think I've seen as many, you know, digital content creators as, and, and of course that could also be like a culmination effect because now we're really adopting new technology and we have cell phones that are basically computers and all that kind of stuff. So maybe this was the way it would have gone even without COVID and all that kind of stuff. But I don't think I've ever seen as many digital content creators as we have currently. Um, and, and, I, and so I, was I, just, I do think there's another side of that where people are more, uh, willing to trust uh, a smaller person as opposed to a big company, mm, like over the, the last few years, you know, you know, education's been kind of getting scammy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. All these, uh, things about, you know, universities going under and student loan this and, mm-hmm. you know, what's real, what's not, you know? So I think that's another part of it. Yeah, that's actually a good point. I didn't I didn't really think about that, but uh I guess that kind of makes sense, right? Like as our ability to even do this, right? You and I started recording a podcast 
um, in person. And then we transitioned to doing a podcast not in person. Uh, <laughs> and now we st- can't do it in person. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think we transitioned to not doing it in person for the same reason that we can't do it in person. Although uh, I'm, I'm still pushing for not like I'm, I guess uh, I'm supposed to or we're not going back to the office until 2021. Uh-huh. I'm trying to make it part of my negotiating package that I just never go back to the office. Like, why would I? Right. Um, although that actually factors into <laughs> my, my, uh, segment later, but, uh, well, that's, uh, it's good to know that you're kind of, uh, you're, you're taking something that was basically created pre coronavirus times and maybe your distribution plan was a little bit different then, but now you're kind of adapting it to, or was, was, I mean, the plan was to go digital release always right like i think that was the, plan the plan was never to release it i think uh oh <laughs> yeah it's a it's a it's i don't know it's it's one of those uh, things about it's not uh perfect one it's not really it doesn't really align with what was happening in my head and also uh this the experience wasn't as positive as i hoped it would be do you mean you mean making it, or do you mean the reception now? What what are you referring? Making to? it. I, I do. Uh, I I feel like uh, I'm getting a lot of positive uh, reception for uh, segments of this new campaign. So I've had a few friends say they actually enjoyed the movie. I've had some friends say they're watching it, and then I get nothing after that. So I assume <laughs> it didn't go well, which is fine. But I've also been getting positive feedback on our ad campaign and the ads we're putting up and our social media campaign and all that yeah. fun stuff. So I, that part of the experience is is great. But but back in the in the day when making stuff compared to making let's say Vile the Wolf now or yeah. mm-hmm. Good Cop Mom Cop now the that experience is way different than the one back in the day so it's just this uh it's just this uh, baggage that I have that I can't let go of for some reason. Mm. In relation to this movie. Right, it's it's a it's a connection to a period of time or maybe like Thoughts, emotions, feelings, yada yada, about what was going on at the time that now is related to something that you're you're kind Past. of moving forward with. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's that's interesting. Um, well, I mean, from where I sit, uh, you know, I completely don't see the metrics or I don't see anything like that. But from where I sit, it's it at bare minimum, it was really kind of trying something new. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? In a sense that a doing a completely digital release on like these different platforms and kind of seeing how all that works out and advertising towards those platforms. I think that's a little unique and different. And then also uh, you and I exist on a, on a different continuum, but still we exist on the same uh, on the same like scale, but we're just at different points to it. I don't, even do anything until it's like oh i know i have this perfect or i have all the right certifications or stuff like that so this like measure twice cut once mentality except Uh that i'm i never cut you know what i mean that's me you exist on that same continuum not as bad but it's like i've i've definitely you know when you come forward with an effort and it's like oh you're like you're very modest about what you uh what you do and about like what you create and all that kind of stuff which is a good thing because nobody likes uh full of themselves asshole basically but at the same time when it comes to like advertising and pushing things forward like out into the digital landscape uh it's like you 
it, that's that's a diff, difficult thing to reconcile, right? Is like right. I'm advertising, or I am like driving you towards my content, but then you're also in general like a very modest ask person. So I thought it was just an interesting transformation. I mean, how does that feel to you? The way that like this has been handled, maybe not even you know you're still carrying baggage on the film itself, but how do you feel about you know getting into really advertising, like running social media campaigns, doing things through digital release? Like how does that feel to you? It right now it feels like I am still practicing things that were relevant five years ago when the the film came out, mm. and I feel like the world of social media has changed since then, and I'm trying to figure out what the new world is, or figure out yeah. what's coming next to kind of make it more, uh, yeah, have a higher rate of turnaround. Was it uh, what is it called? Uh, it's it's on all the pages where you have to mark stuff. Uh, higher rate of reach, turnaround. Uh, bigger reach. Uh, 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 clicks, clicks, getting clicks, getting uh, point of sales. I don't know. Mm. Business words. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. That actually, that makes me want to do an episode with you that you'll probably hate. Uh, so I'm just going to pitch this idea right now and then we'll, we'll see. Uh, there's an idea I have that, um, so there's this band, right? Oh, oh my goodness. There's this band that I think I would attribute to being the best out of any other musician or, you know, musical group that I can think of at predicting trends and being able to like they're forecasting trends and adapting their style to match those trends before they actually hit so that they're at like the cusp, the rising like curve of adoption before it actually executes and before it happens. And I was thinking about this and I wanted to do an episode analyzing like how you can be that type of a person looking out for trends like this. Um, I think that's a good idea. I don't hate it. You know, uh, you might hate it when you, <laughs> when you listen to the band. Is it, is it uh, what's the band name? Who's the band? It's a band called bring me the horizon. And they went from being in 2006. They were like, uh, metal band with the hair, you know, and all, all the things. And now they're almost completely unrecognizable to that. And they are always cresting the next wave. And so every single album they've done has been completely different than the last. And now to the point where it's like they make pop rock albums. So they okay. went from they went from being like metal with the hair and, you know, whatever. And they stay in line because what was popular from 2006 to about like during my time in high school, really. So uh, from 2006 to 2009, that was the early crest for people to be into like metal with the hair and, you know, whatever. I keep saying that because those are basically the descriptors that fit. And then from my time in high school, 2009 to about 2012, that was really the where that phase had been adopted, but it was starting to plateau. And then... After those years, you can see the rise of like electronic music and things like that sort of changed. You right. know what I mean? And and so then they shifted into that. And now we're sort of in this weird segment where popular music isn't really made with guitars or isn't made with. I mean, it is in like a MIDI sort of sense, they, but they don't do it with guitars or with stuff like that. And so now they've transformed into this whole other thing that's like more electronic music, but like pop rock, you know, whatever that we're kind of seeing a resurgence of. So it's weird that they're always way ahead of the curve, but then at the time when people hit the adoption, that's when their records are selling and all that kind of stuff. And so you just made me kind of think about that because you're saying, 
well, I'm still doing social media stuff from maybe a little while ago. It's like, I'm trying to catch up to this. But what you're actually trying to do is get ahead of whatever the next. Exactly. That's, that's, that was going to be my next point. Uh, I need to get ahead of it. I mean, yeah. I think being a trendsetter or just coming up, being that guy with a new idea that everybody else wants to mimic is more, I think, more of a, a launching pad than being on trend. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, and I think that that kind of goes, that's also something that I'm trying to reconcile, reconcile with myself because, you know, as, as we've talked about before, I'm basically trying to peddle a, a product that I exclusively thought of use for like martial arts and stuff like that, which is basically on hiatus. So we don't know when that goes back online, when people are going to be doing that anymore. How can I think about that instead of what I'm trying to do right now or actually really living in the past? Because I'm living in the past, man. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to develop a product for something that isn't really happening right now. And I'm sure it will. But it's like instead of thinking about how things were a year ago, right? Why not think about how things may develop or how they might be? Um, so, so that'd be uh, I'd be very interested in analyzing that with you. We can we can step through that, and I think that that might give some uh, content that the that the kids like. Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that next week because I need to reevaluate my approach on life with Elephant Scout. <laughs> Your approach on life. Um, that actually, that reevaluating one's approach on life. Uh, is probably a perfect segue. I can't think of a better one into kind of what I, I wanted to talk to you about this week. Because you've been, uh, how long have you been independently like doing, even if Elephant Scout, you know, version 1.0 had a different name, which I guess it did, but, you know, maybe around Christmas time you'll tell me that name. Uh, but Elephant Scout 1.0, you've been, you've been kind of working uh, as an entrepreneur for a, a, a long time now. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit of time. A little, well, okay, yeah. Actually, I should I should rephrase a little bit of time, not a long time. <laughs> um, but but you've been doing that both pre and post COVID. Uh, yes, I I have been doing pre and post COVID. Or I uh, guess not post pre and during pre and yeah. yeah 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 I've been I've been doing a little few a few jobs here and there. It has not been as uh, lucrative as before the pandemic, mm-hmm. and things are definitely a little more, uh, you know, they're not as uh, pretty. All it's not all sunshine and rainbows right now, which is okay. Yeah, yeah, most certainly. <laughs> um, but I was curious, like, even less so about gigs. Okay, well, actually, why don't I just start by telling you what what my experience recently was. And, uh, and we can go from there. So <clears throat> I am, you know, somewhat of a, I guess, reactive person or like maybe uh, I have strong opinions about things. But generally when it comes to work and when it comes to that stuff, I manage stress pretty well. And I manage, you know, uh, like all, all like change pretty well and all that kind of stuff. But this past week... I started, uh, I started actually having physical symptoms of stress for the first time ever. Whoa. Like, I don't know why this happened. So uh, to give some background, I think this is a result essentially of my COVID, my, my coronavirus workflow, which is basically that now I'm this home office that I'm pod- podcasting. 
I'm podcasting. <laughs> uh, this home office that I'm podcasting from is my home office that I also, uh, you know, work every single day from. And it's directly connected to my house. I no longer commute to work, which I think is great. Uh, but at the same time, I think kind of this nefarious sort of like or insidious give and take sort of started happening where I have been working, you know, routinely 10 or 11 hour days. My my boss has been saying, you know, hey, I've, I've noticed on your time card, like you're you're just doing a whole hell of a lot. I don't mind paying overtime like you're very valuable to the business. Like we don't mind just paying you extra and, and you know, whatever. But he's like, I want to make sure you don't burn out. And I was always like, ah, no, I'm fine. Like, there's just so much stuff to do. I just need to get stuff. Like, even today, I'm kind of feeling a little pressure to get this project done because for some reason I was given a task that really should be assigned to marketing. Like, I don't know why you would want me to create a one-pager for you that, like, has all this. Like, that's marketing. I don't know how to. Why would you want me to do something that would take, like, four hours and be kind of crappy as opposed to having a marketing person do it in an hour and it'll be great? So, I don't know. But that's... Besides the point, but um, I, I've realized that, you know, I've just been doing 60 hour work weeks generally every week and I wouldn't have done that before. It's not that like, oh man, I've got this super great integrity to what I'm doing. I mean, I do, but if I had a firm, you know, I have to drive into the office and then I have to leave, I would be cutting my hours down Definitely. I wouldn't be doing 60 hour work weeks because I have a hard time when I need to leave and get back to my dog or get back to my house or do whatever. And that creates a physical separation from my work life and my home life. You know what I mean? And, and sometimes that gets interrupted. Sometimes people are like, oh, I need a, an immediate answer. I need to email or like whatever. I need this right now. But as a result of that, I think, I mean, I'm not exactly sure, but starting on uh, Monday of last week, I started having, uh, do you know what an arrhythmia is? Is that like a heartbeat thing? It is a heartbeat thing. Yeah. So the, the best way I can explain it, because I was doing a really poor job of explaining it, and here is my explanation. Let me see if you know, if you would be able to get what I'm talking about. So it's kind of like when a sheet of music is written, and let's just say it's in 4-4 four, four time, that means it's one two, three, four, one, two, three, four, and so on and so forth. But it's like when you're learning an instrument and you fuck up, but you want to keep going on time, you end up jamming in all these extras. So you go like one and then you miss the second and you go two, three, four, like you, you just kind of hammer through. That's mm -hmm. kind of like what it felt like what was happening with my heartbeat is that I would something would kind of tick or not go and then the recovery one would be a lot heavier like it would thump and so I started um so then of course I start googling stuff which was the worst idea I don't know yeah, why you shouldn't do that yeah yeah it was a bad idea I started googling stuff and it's like oh well this is a you know uh uh just an arrhythmia a pvc like something ventricular ventricular contraction you know whatever and they were saying like oh they're mostly normal like people will have everyone generally will have an arrhythmia, meaning a regular heartbeat. Basically, everyone has one every day. We just don't notice it. Uh -huh. But I wasn't having them every day. I was having multiple an hour. So I started just getting this freak out, and especially given the context, my grandfather died of a heart attack. My father has had an angioplasty. So there's like heart shit, you know, going on. 
So then it became this compounding thing that not only was I just, I realized like I was having that happen and I didn't know why, but now I was constantly aware of it. So then it was happening even more. And then I was starting to freak out. So by the time I get to the middle of my week, Wednesday or Thursday, I'm incapable of doing anything. Like I'm just like stressed out and I'm freaking out about stuff. And of course, then, uh, you know, uh, at some point in time, uh, a customer emailed in and said like, Hey, we just got noticed that if we don't have this done by 3 PM, we're going to renew our contract with, you know, our competitors, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Oh my God, like, I don't know what I'm doing. So I'm just like hammering away. And, uh, so I kind of talked this over with, uh, with my manager. And then I talked this over with the doctor who I went and saw because I was like, you know, just tell me I'm not going to die. I'm sure I'm fine, but just like, let me know that I'm not going to die. So I don't. And uh, the guy said uh, that this was an anxiety episode. I oh. guess you can't, you can't call it attack anymore. <laughs> attack is too violent, I guess. Well, that makes sense. So you, so you can't I recently, call it a... I recently watched uh, Hot Fuzz. Oh, yeah. He's, he's always constantly correcting people on their verbiage. Yeah. And it's like you can't say uh, policeman. You have to say police officer. Right, right. Exactly. And you don't say traffic accident. You say uh, motor collision or something like that. And it's just. Right, right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. This is one of those. You can't say anxiety attack because it's too violent and too, you know, whatever imagery. So I guess I had an anxiety episode. And the guy said, you know, do you usually have anxiety? Do you have whatever? And I was like, no, I, you know, I get worked up about stuff and I, you know, whatever, but I don't think I have anxiety, nothing, nothing to that degree. And, uh, what he said was, well, you know, from what you're telling me, you're just like working a lot, you're working long hours, and then you're also doing all this other extracurricular stuff. Um, and he was like, and maybe you're not aware of this, you know, like consciously, but you know, there have been a lot of changes to everyone's life due to COVID. We all do things a little bit differently now. And there's a little bit of weight of like, are we going to get back to normal or what is normal? Or, you know, like I can't go out and do the same things that I normally would. Um, and, and then, you know, on top of that, social unrest and then even just worrying about the economy and elections and all this kind of stuff. He just basically made it very evident. Like he listed everything that's kind of going on right now. Yeah. And he's like, you might not even realize it, but you're probably ruminating on these things or thinking about these things. Um, so, so then, and that kind of brings me to my point, which was that he, he asked me, you know, so it sounds like you're working long hours. Like what are you doing to, to like separate those things? And I realized that I'm really not because right. I, if I get a kind of tough problem or something is, I'm thinking about it all day long, like all night, even when I get off work or I do something, you know, and, uh, been watching, uh, Perry Mason new show on HBO. Great. Love it. Uh, but even when I'm doing that, I'm still like thinking hard about, you know, work and about, you know, Oh, what am I doing there? And then thinking about like, Oh, you know, I've got this, uh, uh, conversation with Connor, the, the jujitsu guy, you know, whatever that I really want to prep for. So I've been making a whole lot of notes and kind of like building an informal sort of presentation sort of thing. And so I'm just constantly doing that. And I think that that's, there's a lifestyle that was sort of built up around that, like the grind, right? The, the Gary Vaynerchuk hustle. I can't stand that. Stuff. I can't stand it. Not your, not your thing. It's not my <laughs> cup of tea. No. Yeah, and, and so that's kind of the idea that, like, man, 24-7, 365, I'm just, like, 
you know, if you're execute. not working, you're not doing it. Yeah. Right, right, right. I think that that kind of has been built up in society these days and especially in, in entrepreneurs and like people who are trying to, you know, drive a small business and stuff like that. But personally, I mean, that just felt really unhealthy and it felt really, you know, not great this past week. I didn't get a whole lot done at all because I was basically worried the entire time about a physical symptom that I think, I can't confirm, but the doctor thinks and I think that it cropped up because I had an anxiety episode. So it made me think I kind of wanted to bring that to you. You've been an entrepreneur for a long, a little bit of time. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I tried to catch it midway through, but I was already in motion. Um, so so you've kind of been, you know, and, and it's like you find balance between doing creative pursuits and doing your more commercial level work. But either way, you're running your own business 24-7, 365 for a little bit now. I mean, the more the more obvious question is, or the first question, I guess, would be to say is like, do you find balance between those things? Uh or, or do you not? I mean, even like, let's forget about COVID for a second. Even before COVID, like, did you find a balance between your work life and your home life and then even your more commercial stuff and your creative stuff? Like, how, how do you find that balance if you do? So I think for me, I didn't grow up with, or when I first started out, uh, Gary V wasn't really a thing. He wasn't right. around yet, right. you know, and he was like this hyper up. You know, got to do what you got to do to get it done. The thing that I kind of read when I first started was uh, the four-hour work week. Tim Ferriss. The Tim Ferriss one. And, you know, I felt like the things in the book were dated at the time, which was a long time ago, <laughs> according to Atish. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's but not the, what I'm uh, saying. But the, uh, the ideas in it were something that I kind of uh, resonated with. The idea of not working hard, but working smarter. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. by working smarter means working less means you can still be you and have your business too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the idea of running an email campaign and hiring a uh, workforce in India to do it, yeah. you know, for, for five bucks an hour or whatever it was at the, or whatever it is at the time. Yeah. Uh, and having someone else be your uh, hands and actually doing things mm-hmm. uh, like even nowadays, uh, I'm running all these ad campaigns. I'm not building them from scratch. I am purchasing templates on websites that people have already built, modifying them so they look and match my brand, and then I can just upload them. So I'm not spending eight hours making an ad. I'm spending half an hour, 45 minutes uh-huh. from start to finish, as opposed to eight hours of making it, testing it, and then maybe another day of trying to figure out how to upload it. So so outsourcing appropriately, basically. It's It's... What do you really want to spend your time on? Mm. So for, for like uh, another part of it, though, is being a creative person, trying to create things, trying to write stories, trying to tell mm-hmm. stories. You have mm-hmm. to live life a little bit. Uh, you have to have experiences yourself. Yeah. You have to go out and converse with people. You have to hear other people's stories. You need to go out and make your own stories and have your own experiences. So then you can translate them to uh, the script and the screen in theory. Uh, you need to read other books. You need to, you know, absorb uh, life in general to mm-hmm. kind of process how to tell a story. So if, if my life is 24 seven in after effects, animating keyframes, I'm a, I'm a boring person. I'm not, yeah. no one wants to watch that movie. 
That's true. If yeah. my life is twenty four seven color correcting a single frame on a video edit, it's like no one wants to see that. It's super boring. Uh huh. Yeah. And so it's it's kind of like what's more valuable to my business, and I think for me, it's being a person of experiences in life, which is really going to uh, ex- to support all the stories I'm trying to tell. Mm, mm-hmm. And so the idea of outsourcing things or working smarter is what really helps me balance all that. Interesting. So, yeah, so I, I like that approach, actually, because it's not it's not directly like um, here are tasks, essentially, like it, it ultimately becomes that. But you're not saying here are some tasks that I'm going to push just outside of this and and make other people do them or, or et cetera. But basically you're finding a divisionary line between the items that you really think it's almost like the, the 80, 20 rule, right? Like here's the 20% of stuff that'll drive 80% of my results, which for you is being an interesting storyteller, having something to say, like having a point of view, um, being able to make interesting characters, being able to have like a compelling vision, like those sorts of things are the 20% of the total work that you might have. Mm-hmm. Uh, because to your point, color correction is a part of, of what you do. And I don't even know what a keyframe is, but whatever, <laughs> whatever a keyframe is. It's It's really boring. <laughs> but it's like, those are all components of what you do, but... In terms of getting eighty percent of the results that you want, there's the smaller the the stuff that actually matters: having life experience, um, becoming a competent and interesting writer, like those sorts of things are the twenty percent that actually drive eighty percent of your results. Essentially, mm-hmm. that's kind of what you're saying. Exactly, and I think another side of it too is that feeling. I think entrepreneurs get is they always feel alone and they have to do everything, mm-hmm. but that's a hundred percent not the case. Yeah, 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 yeah. You need to make a logo. You go to Fiverr, you know, spend 20 bucks and have someone make a logo for you. Mm-hmm. You know, you need someone to write copy for your website. You can hire people to do that for you. Mm-hmm. And just because you're not, you, can, you don't have to be an expert in everything to accomplish your business dreams. You, you can outsource yeah. it all. You're not alone. Yeah, yeah. That's. I think that's a good thing to point out because that ultimately is something that's been driving like my crash on both sides, both what I'm doing in my professional life and my entrepreneurial life, both of those things, I don't delegate. I'm very bad at delegating or outsourcing or anything like that. So now I've caught myself in my professional sector. I've caught myself where I'm just like, oh, I'm responsible for all these things, even though, like I said, I probably should just ask marketing, hey, I was asked for this. Can you guys help me design what this person wants because this is really not in my workflow whatsoever. But for some reason, I just took it as like, oh, no, I I have to do it. And then where it comes in with, you know, (laughs) flow roll, as the case may be, um, you know, I'm I'm really excited and driven by what I'm doing on the formulation side of things because I just I like take notes about how things interact and uh, I'm researching things online to be able to understand, you know, volume of, of things. And, and like, that's really interesting to me. Like it brings me back to, uh, a time when that was like my workflow when I was still in college and I was doing those things routinely. So I, I actually really, really enjoy doing it. And I love kind of tinkering and playing around with stuff. And ultimately I think that that probably fits into my 80, 20 kind of split, mm-hmm. but then I'm also doing a whole host of things there that, you know, like I'm trying to write, up my 
up like a abstract, I guess you could say, of what this product is and what it's trying to achieve when it's like, maybe I could dictate that to somebody who has a mind for pitching creative ideas or doing that kind of stuff. And maybe the actual verbiage and the wording and the editing and all that stuff, maybe that's just not my strong suit. Maybe that idea, like ideation kind of stuff can go to somebody else. I already Mm -hmm. know what I'm trying to accomplish, but maybe someone who writes it all up in an attractive copy and all that kind of stuff, like maybe that's somebody else's strength. I had this experience once where I was, um, a friend of mine wanted me to make a Kickstarter video for his, uh, this battery. And this battery was for those, uh, they're, they're called Ibos, Ibo dogs. They're like robot dogs from Japan from like the 80s and 90s. <laughs> okay. And so they had this, uh, the, the problem, well, the, no, they're st- they still work. They're still great. They're still pretty cool. The if robot dogs? The robot dogs, yeah. They do tricks and stuff. Mm. But the thing that, that's coming into light nowadays is that their batteries are dying. And so mm. they need like these, uh, they need new batteries and they don't make them anymore. So what this guy did was he made their own battery and then they also made modifiers so that the robot could do more tricks. And so they wanted to sell this as like a a gateway to getting to making their own robotic pets. Mm, Like like their own dogs and cats and frogs and sheeps or whatever they were making. (laughs) Whatever people have as alpacas, Uh uh, as pets nowadays. And so... He was telling me all this, and he's like, "We need to market this to this like niche of audience." And it was this niche of audience where it's just people that build their own things all the time. They're like home home engineers, and they're always fidgeting and rewiring things and building their own garage door openers and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Because those were the people that were really that they were kind of aiming their business towards. And I was thinking, well, aren't people that own these dogs? They're not people that do that all the time. Like they need right, to and, just... and wouldn't that be problematic because maybe the home engineers were the people who then would design their own battery or something? Right. Well, they had like uh, patents and blah, 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 blah. Oh, okay. Sure, All sure, that sure. stuff, yeah. But my, my, my thought was, well, I thought normal people own these dogs, not, not engineers. You guys are engineers. Like yeah. Normal people own these. Why can't we uh, market to normal people? And then yeah. there was just like no common ground there. Because they were like so focused on just getting this, I, fr- I wish I could remember the name of it. Because it was, it was so uh, like it was. It's they still talk on forums on the internet. So really? I don't know if yeah, if forums are still a thing. I can't believe that. I, mean, I think Reddit's te- technically a forum, but they were like on a website forum, like on a GeoSites website forum. Oh wow, it's, <laughs> it's really insane and like crazy how niche this audience is. But I guess how active the audience is as well. Mm-hmm. So, so my thought was always, you know, you're too thinking too small. You got to go bigger, and uh, it was just this uh, not understanding each other, or me not understanding that world, or me taking the time to learn that world, mm-hmm. and them not wanting to see a bigger picture, and yeah, like uh, an outside perspective, right? And so it didn't work out. I didn't make the video because. <laughs> It just didn't work out, but uh, the, but the idea of of reaching out and learning and trying to talk to someone about their specialty, like yeah, is, like finding the right person to do that with is hard, and and not feeling like you have to be directly the driver of all aspects of one thing that you can you can sort of relinquish control in some sort of ways, 
Right, because in theory, they should have. Re- in theory, they could have relinquished their control of the marketing idea. Yeah, and I would have done something more popular, more commercial. Yeah, they wanted yeah, to go yeah. more niche, more that. I could have said yes, no matter what, and then spent six months becoming an engineer trying to figure out what the heck this node is. Or it's like little kits that you had to like weld yourself or solder yourself. It was just like oh, so. So even even like the language of it would be too exclusive almost. Right. And I'm like, I can't I can't spend my time figuring this out. It's, it was yeah. just I, I don't have time to become an engineer right now. Right. Yeah, that's that's uh, you know, I could double down and say no, the uh name is going to be Flow Roll even though my uh, uh my sources are telling me that that's a bad idea and it's not a good name. <laughs> I could double down on that and say like no, that's but but then I'm essentially like the the locus of control remains with me, which is great. Like I think that that's one things that people like desire or, or want. But at the end of the day, I think that that's sort of contributing to this idea of uh, solitude or, or what you were saying before, uh, essentially, that it's like exactly, it's all yeah. on me and I, I'm all alone and I'm going to just I have to own all aspects of this, which probably is not the best way to work, like move forward with any of these ideas. Right. And I, and I think the best way to learn how to delegate is to uh, come to terms that you are probably going to be the last person to touch it. So uh, you might want a one sheet. You might say you need, you might've been assigned to make a one sheet marketing poster, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. Yeah. You, be, you can be like, I want it to say this, this, and this, Hey marketing, can you make this happen? Yeah. Yep. They market it. They send it back to you for approval or, and then you say, I don't like this. I don't like that. They change it. Yep. Bing, bang, boom, you're done. You still have complete control over it, but you're not actually doing the work. Mm, and so this, yeah. it's, it's not, if you do it, it's not yours. It's, it's more of a, you don't have to do everything to still have ownership over it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's something that, you know, I, uh, and because then that feeds back into my loop, right? Like my predictable loop, which is that, oh, I need to have control over this, but I'm not an expert in XYZ. I don't have a degree or a certification in XYZ. So now I, I got to get one of those, right? In order to be, you know, to have control over this and do do it right and have all the certifications and you whatever. So it just kind of puts me into this feedback loop where I keep establishing new needs, but then keep pushing those back because I'm just, I'm working myself in a circle basically. Right. Huh. That's interesting. Um, and I wanted to, you know, maybe this has changed for you, maybe it hasn't, but has your ability to balance these things changed as a result of, I mean, you built a team directly before COVID or during? I guess during. Yeah. I guess before too. I don't know. I guess it was, it was a cusp. little bit before, but it yeah. was, it bled in a little bit as far at as the beginning I, of the year. So I think we're yeah. still normal at the beginning yeah. of the year. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, obviously that helps you kind of balance responsibilities and duties. You've got a team to delegate to and and things like that. But how have you dealt with kind of switching workflows? I mean, you're certainly not doing or or probably I I don't want to say certainly, but you're you're probably not, you know, going out and visiting as many people or doing direct like in-person meetings as much as you were at one point in time. So how are you kind of adopting to keeping that sense of balance during COVID where it's like, for me personally, there's just very little separation between my work life and my home life. And I think that that's kind of contributing to this feeling of like not being able to switch off. 
given that you already had this context of kind of being an entrepreneur before COVID, have you been impacted at all by this shift in workflow or are you more or less the same? I am more or less the same because, you know, it's, it's not like I don't have that. You're always working 24 seven mindset, but it's, it's the, I'm not always working. The business is always working. Mm. So it's like okay. I, I'm I'm already I already had that mindset of it. There, we're two separate things. We're two separate entities. Yeah, that exist at the same time, and that's mm-hmm. okay. And I I but I find like the the my work life balance is kind of well, you can't go anywhere, you can't do anything. So I'm kind of like you know you're just stuck at home all day, right? And so uh, I don't I I haven't really been I've been like consuming more like documentaries and. Uh, yeah. I haven't dived into reality yet, reality TV yet. So I'm, I, oh. I, I feel great about that. Yeah, there's still hope. Yeah, but I think what it is for me now, because you know you have all this free time, it's it's turned into working on things I never worked on before that I should have. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So uh, like I'm writing the script right now, I have time to do another dr- uh, pass on it to, to take care of things that I would let slide before. Mm-hmm. So now I can tackle those issues now and hopefully make a better script. Mm. Uh, I want I've always wanted to pitch a movie to someone just for, for financial investment. Mm-hmm. Now I can figure out how to do that. I can sit down and, you know, do some research. And while I'm doing that research, I'm learning more about my audience and myself as a storyteller mm-hmm. and how to present myself better. So it's, I think it's kind of, it's taken me, this uh, experience of quarantine has given me a chance to kind of self-reflect and figure out things from like, like, like essentially reframing. It's, it's helped me define things. Help me to like, uh, like my audience, my audience is like for this movie. I always make this joke that my audience is uh, girls that went to high school in Tucson between 1997 and 2003. <laughs> and like, it's like a super specific thing, but the woman we have, you know, starring in the movie is was a radio show DJ. Yeah. At a time when people listened to radio every right. day on the drive to school, and she was kind of she was very popular, especially among girls here in uh, Tucson. So that's the audience that I really want to reach to, and it's given me time to like sit down and think about that. And it's not just an audience of people that like movies, which is so broad. And kind of just a giant ocean. Yeah, it's and, anybody. And, and it's it's uh, not going to help you when you're trying to sell and market your movie in the future. So, so you would say also that then your it's like your ability to kind of ride the surf to use a, a general sort of expression, but your ability to ride the surf in terms of changing landscapes and changing you know audiences and all that kind of stuff is helped by your kind of usage of time to be intellectually curious about how you can how you can improve your product for for lack of a better term. Right. And so it's it's definitely uh and and while, you know, you're consuming all these crazy things. I'm at least for me by consuming I mean watching movies <laughs> and commercials and yeah. You know, on Hulu, the Hulu ads and just like watching how people are presenting things and putting things forward and what's kind of how are things are being consumed nowadays. It's definitely something else that I'm absorbing and adjusting to and learning from. Mm. Yeah, that that brings us back to kind of learning how to spot trends and how to be ahead of them. I mean, essentially starting this year, probably maybe trends that were already 
on their way became fast tracked. Like video on demand was already a thing, but now uh, the speaking of which movie theaters are open again, right? It looks like it, but I'm still afraid to go to one. Yeah, I, it, it, that's the thing. It's like my desire to go is high. Like that's I'm not saying that that's low, but my kind of like I don't know. It it is it it kind of brings me back to when gyms opened uh, briefly for a period of time earlier, and uh, my jujitsu gym opened, and I was like, oh, we've got this whole system right where you get your temperature checked at the door, you go wash your hands immediately, you show up in uniform, you get on the mats. But I realized that that system only works if everyone lives the same monastic lifestyle that I do, where it's like I'm home all the time and then I go to the gym and that's it. Those are the only two places I go. Right. So it's kind of the same thing with the movie theater that it's like. Yeah, we can it we could have a system where this all works and we can all enjoy this, but it really only works if we all do that. Right. And that's not the case. It's not the case. So Which is a bummer. It's a bummer. So uh, I, I I guess I don't think I've really had any like I don't know. I guess my COVID experience has been very blah. And I haven't mm-hmm. had any real challenges and I haven't had any chance to really work on something new cuz there's no site as to when I could actually make a new project or work on a new project. Right. There's no, right. You know, there's, it's not there. I can't see it. So it's super ambiguous. So it's, it's unclear if an investment towards like, Oh, I'm going to, I mean, script writing or, or, you know, that sort of thing that always moves the needle forward because it's eventually like, it's not as if this thing can't be shelved or something like that. Right. But actually going out and shooting or like saying, okay, we're going to commit to this day. Like, uh, for instance, my um, my fiance's mom really wanted us to come out to Hawaii, and uh, so we booked tickets for October. And then, thank goodness, you know, of course, we didn't. We like booked them with insurance, travel insurance, because now we got that money back. Because it, that's certainly not happening, right? Right. Right. So it's like similarly, it's like you can't say, "Oh, we're going to plan for a shoot in January. We're going to start shooting this this film because." How do you know that the investment that you're going to put into there is actually going to pay off? Right. So I don't know. It's a weird thing to deal with. But so it's definitely not the same experience you're having where you're mm-hmm. constantly on where you feel like you have to be constantly on 24 seven. Yeah, you, you you can still maintain balance. But in that balance, probably the problem more is ambiguity. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know. And I'm, I'm trying to figure out a good way to solve this because like let's even forget COVID, right? This made me also understand as I was having this throughout the week that what I'm trying to do is have a balance between my professional work life and then also starting something completely new. And these boundaries are going to clash with one another. Like that's going to happen, you know, one week I'm going to give more to this than I did to this. And one week I'm going to give more to floral tentatively named than I am to something else. It's, I mean, that's just how that's going to go. So this just kind of really made me realize how important, like building and managing a balance between all these different aspects of your life might be. And I'm still sort of figuring out how to do that. And then once we layered COVID on top of that, I realized that I had been just ignoring finding any sort of balance or finding boundaries and stuff. And so I was just sort of curious, like how do entrepreneurs find Doing that, and it sounds like to me, you kind of do it in two to three ways, 
And the first is identifying the stuff that really moves the needle for you and what doesn't. Right. And by moves the needle for you, I mean moves the needle for your end product, for your films, for your company, for whatever. You you establish in your head, not exactly like a binary de- definition, but you establish kind of parameters around this is the stuff that really at its core matters and, and is important. And this is the stuff that matters to a degree, but I can outsource that. I can, you know, whatever. And so then that leads directly into your ability to delegate effectively. Like being able to outsource work or being able to delegate to a team or being able to ask for help on certain things, knowing that that locus of control still sits with you, you're, you're the final product owner, but that you don't have to micromanage everything. So, so you've set yourself up with a decentralized command. Yeah, but it doesn't feel like it sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm sure you're still like you're still doing uh, a ton of stuff. And I mean, just I can't even think about how many things you uh, were getting together at the time of uh, the murder mystery night. Uh-huh. Like that was just a culmination of so much different shit that you were doing all at the same time because you were like doing scripts and like editing essentially and paring down. Then you were rehearsing and writing a live component that of right. course that needs to get all worked out. Then you are working with venues about where you were actually going to do this and how that was going to flow. And it's like, man, that's about two to three different departments that you're singularly running. Like, I don't know how you like, would you say that you also had a problem finding balance during the time of the uh, murder mystery during night? The time of the murder mystery night, or did you still have a way to kind of orient yourself? Well, that was an issue of, people wanting to help and not being capable of helping. And so it was, Hey, I'll do this audio edit, but I need your computer or, uh, we need flyers. I'll, I'll pick them up from the printer or I can't pick them up from the printer because I don't have a car. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, can you go get them for me? So then that's half a day. And then it's, it was, it was just a lot of, um, I needed to evaluate the team before delegating tasks. Hmm. And I didn't do that. I kind of, we've done this before. We've, we've done a theme, a feature film together. Yeah. Yeah. I should be able to kind of hand this off to you and you should be able to take care of it. But then in hindsight, I was the only one that really kind of learned from the filmmaking experience because I did a majority of the work. Mm-hmm. So now uh, it's, I've from that experience in the last couple of years, I've tried to build a team that can that's more self-sufficient and has experiences that they can bring to the table as yeah. opposed to people that have just been hanging out since day one. Huh? Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's an important, that's, that kind of brings me, that was what we were kind of speaking to last week a little bit um, on with flow roll that I, if I do things correctly, I'm trying not to rely on myself for certain aspects of it, right? Because it's things that are formulation, nootropics, like that sort of stuff. That's my bread and butter. I can do that all day long. But when it actually comes to, hey, how do we want to position this as an item in the marketplace and all that kind of stuff? I mean, I'm a fitness guy, sort of, but I know very little about how the the industry actually runs. Mm -hmm. So somebody who is a professional in that industry or somebody who certainly like that's more in their, in the parameters of what they do. uh, It's like being able to almost not having the ego to think that 
I should be handling this or that I would know better in a sense. Right. Well, well, so you have an idea, you have something that's kind of been sitting in the back of your head forever and it's kind of like, uh, like your baby. So you kind of want to, you know, nurture that baby as much as possible. Hmm. But in doing so, let's say you give birth to this baby, you know, but to take care of this baby, you, the baby just needs you and your time, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're spending all your time learning how to make a poster, learning how to market this thing, yeah. if you are, you know, if you can't take care of yourself, how can you take care of this baby? So you're mm-hmm. delegating all this time and you're not really, you know, spending time on yourself even to, you know, get the proper rest, to take yeah. your... uh arrhythmia medication to <laughs> to do your yogas to do your you know meditations you know if you're not really taking time to take care of yourself how can you be expected to really take care of this baby you have uh, at 100 percent? yeah no that's that's a solid point because the work that i put out this past week was all you know i was heavily distracted and just not functioning correctly and all that kind of stuff. And that was probably the culmination of essentially a crash. Like I uh, was putting in 60 hour work weeks and then also doing a bunch of other stuff, uh, formulating, uh, ordering a whole bunch of lion's mane mushroom and <laughs> like a bunch of weird shit. Um, so I've, I've also been doing a whole lot of stuff on the outside of working a 60 hour work week. So, but then my movements on both sides of the aisle were probably not good. Like not good. So that's a fair point is that so. But there's this thing, though, that people are wired to want to work all the time. You know, like I have to be working. I don't have any work. I'm freaking out. I need to work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I I for sure do not have that wiring. (laughs) If I could just be lazy all day, I totally would. Uh Uh-huh. But. There are people out there that just need to grind all the time. They just need to I just I don't know where that comes from and I don't know why. But those yeah. are the people I find are most stressed out all the time, mm-hmm. uh, most frustrated all the time. And also kind of I, I feel like they're not really getting to where they want to go because they're always just grinding so hard mm-hmm. all the time. And, and you know, I, I do believe that uh, quality over quantity is a good mindset to have when it comes to work, especially when you're doing your own business. That's that's actually a great call out. Quality over quantity because I have this habit um Tori pointed it out for me where I try and do too many things like all the time, right? So I was like, "Oh, yeah, well, I'm reading 52 books this year. So that means I have to have some dedicated time where I'm reading and then so it's like I'm doing that for fi- you know, I'm finishing a book a week so that I can hit 52." Um, but then, oh yeah, but then also I want to do like this workout series where, uh, you know, I did a year's worth of Murphs, So now I'm going to do a year's worth of the, the hero workouts that are all CrossFit oriented, blah, blah, blah. You know. Oh yeah. But then on top of that, like, I'm going to start buying bulk products for, uh, for, uh, the supplement that I want to get off the ground and I want to be doing that. Oh yeah. But then I still want to train jujitsu myself once that opens up. So I want to be doing that. Oh yeah. And then I, and it's just like, I just create, because I've got such lofty sort of aspirate aspirations and ambitions, I end up just overloading like too much stuff. Like uh-huh. I'm just, I'm constantly doing a little bit of a lot of stuff and you know where that gets you? Not nowhere. very far. Yeah. Nowhere. Yeah. Nowhere. So it's, that's a, that's a solid call out is that if you're, and, and you actually, those are two complementary thoughts that I think go really, really well together is that you said, 
you know, the, the Tim Ferriss idea of finding the, the 20% of the stuff that really moves the needle for you and that drives 80% of your results. And then maybe just doing that or at least getting satisfaction out of doing that, whatever that looks like for you. And, mm-hmm. and for you, you know, that's that story and character building and doing all that kind of stuff. Like there's probably also a sense of enjoyment that comes out of that. It's, it's work, but also balanced with, you know, this satisfying idea of like living out your purpose or, you know, whatever. I mean, that, that might be a little too uh, woo-woo. But at the same time, I think that that might help kind of balance those initiatives. I'm doing a whole lot of stuff, but with real shit quality. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's quantity over everything. It's just, oh, I'm doing all, this, all these things. Right. Um, but then with no sense of satisfaction, no sense of actually like gaining ground and no sense of really moving the needle on any of these sorts of things. That's, uh, so I guess to, to sum up, you know how to, you know, what's, you figure out what's important and what stuff may still be important, but maybe is not something that you directly need your hands on, directly need your locus of control on. You know how to delegate effectively and efficiently. You know how to find people appropriately to help you. So maybe not the people who don't have a car and are printing your your flyers. Right, maybe right. not the people who, oh, yeah, I can totally do this editing for you, but I don't have a computer. I'll have to use yours because that's not only then a suck on your time, but also your resources. Exactly. Which you can't give up. So being able to figure out what's important and maybe what can wait or what can be delegated to another person being able to pick those people appropriately, um, which kind of bleeds into our last episode. And I guess, I guess it's just like simply put being able to turn it on and turn it off when necessary, being able to sacrifice quantity of efforts for quality of efforts. I don't think you're turning it off or on. It's always going to be on no matter what. I feel like that's the way you're wired. You're just going to be on no matter what. (laughs) I think what you, what the the on and off thing is going to be um, is defining your weaknesses and being okay with having a weakness, and then helping mm. pass that along to someone else that can do it uh, in a way that supports your vision and your end goal with whatever project you're working on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting idea. Yeah, being comfortable with having weaknesses, man. That is definitely something I could work on. My my natural instinct is no, I'm going to read a book about it or I'm going to I'm right. going to get a, I'm gonna get a degree, degree in it. it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's definitely not something I'm comfortable with, but something um I should probably work on over time. Uh Chris Scott, do you have anything to anything new to plug for the week? What's what's going on? Well, I think this comes out on Monday. So this Monday is our last day of the benefit screening that we're doing that's online. Mm-hmm. For Eddie Mummy, so just go to elephantscout.com and you can read up on that. And I think uh, I'm going to make some uh, Vial of the Wolf memes for September. Ooh. Yeah, I get ready for that. So you I, can, I, I like that. So uh, check out Elephant Scout on Instagram to see what those are going to be. Yeah, I guess if it's uh, some Vial of the Wolf memes, you'll see yours truly on there. By the way, you've... Uh, I, you know, it's so, it's so, because it's like certain people's parents are like fans of everything they do, right? There's, there's Uh those style of parents. That's not my style of parents. Like my style, uh, like my parents are both, I mean, very supportive. I'm not going to say, you know, anything 
other than that, but at the same time, they're also just, they were never the ones who told their kids like, oh yeah, everything you do is great. And you know, whatever, that's, that's not their style. That said, my dad is a really big fan of Viola the Wolf and I can't like, it's, and I think it's, I think it's because weirdly without knowing it, your guys' minds are in the same place because to give you perspective, he exclusively watches like Cheers and Three's Company and All in the Family and stuff. And that's two generations older than yourself, maybe three actually. No, two. Um, because your mind is still when you were like very young in the 80s. So I guess the mindset, not where you actually are, but like the movies that you watched. Uh -huh. So then that, it's like you both met in the middle on interest in Vile of the Wolf. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> so uh, that's pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as for myself, I'm hoping to have, uh, it was supposed to happen on Thursday of last week, but, uh, for obvious reasons didn't, didn't occur. I got way too, uh, overwhelmed this last week, but I'm hoping to have a preliminary conversation with, um, with uh, my jujitsu guy who will go unnamed, or I guess I already said Connor, but just so you weirdos out on the internet don't know where to find him and stuff like that, I, I won't go any farther than that. Uh, but my preliminary conversation hopefully is going to happen this week. Uh, we both set aside some time, but he has to be a little bit more uh, conservative with his time. So I'm hoping to do that, and I'm hoping to just, uh, I'm going to ask him if it's okay if we just record, like as if it's a conversation. And, uh, you know, that might be a, like a good little bonus episode or something just for people to kind of understand what I'm like relating what we talk about in the podcast to the actual tangible end result of uh, what's going on with flow roll that damn it. <laughs> it's like I need to find a different name, but it's like I'm trying too hard to find like a witticism there or like something that catches and, and it's just not happening for me. So we'll just leave it at that but hopefully i can get like a good um 30 minute to 45 minute just uh, additional bonus items that's kind of just about you know uh me kind of having an introductory conversation around sales and marketing in that industry and uh trying to relinquish a little bit of that control while i still have you know final authority on it so practicing what we preach here on the podcast and uh hopefully you can all get some ears on it so to speak 